somewhere. Thank you. Okay, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. We're going to read from verse 35. Then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand, the other on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup which I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I baptize with? They said to him, We are able. So Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptize I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it is for those to whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased they were with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great amongst you shall be your servant. Whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all, for the Son of Man, even the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Word of God. Okay, please be seated. And say to somebody, your destiny is greatness in God. Because it is. Father God, your plan is that nobody here be ordinary, nobody here be mediocre. You have a purpose and significance for every life here. And Father, we just decree that each and every one of it will come into that significance the purpose and the greatness you have ordained for us in Jesus' name. You know, I, I believe that the God has placed that desire for significance in every one of his children. There's something in every true believer who's been filled with the Holy Spirit who knows we are not destined for ordinary because we have been filled with the very power of God. We've been filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that enabled him to do every sign, miracle, teaching, deliverance, the same power that was in him. The person of the Holy Spirit has come to indwell me and be upon me. And in that, that experience carries the knowledge that I am destined by God to be significant. And, and you can even use the word great because Jesus used the word great here. And he never rebuked the disciples for their desire to be great in this passage. They didn't understand the kingdom or the pathway to being great, but Jesus never rebuked their desire for great. It says Isaac was great. Abraham, one of the promises God made to him, he'll make him a great nation. He'll also make his name great. But we've got to understand what Jesus meant by great, by great to understand the passage. And uh, in this passage here, the disciples come to him and they are definitely carrying this sense that they've been called and they have a purpose in Christ. They're following him and there's, there's a lot more than what they're experiencing at the moment. And they have this sense that they're going to be great and they express that with the desire of Jesus that we want to be on your right hand and your left hand. But this desire to be great with, with the disciples, the, the desire for significance is Jesus actually tells them it's the, 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 they've, they've got an incorrect understanding of what God considers great and what man considers great. They're actually thinking to be great and significant is the same as the world's pathway to greatness and significance. In the world, to be great and significant, you've got to climb the ladder. You've got to get to the top. You've got to, you know, in the corporate world, you've got to climb over people. When you get to the top, you're the CEO. You're the top one. You're the boss cocky. You're the most significant. You're the greatest in the company. There was a show that used to be on the TV when I was younger. I think it was called King of the Mountain. The, the whole 
bunch of people would just be loose to climb up this mountain. And it was chaos. It was every man rule. When you got to the top, it's like, I'm king of the mountain until somebody threw you off. That's how the world works. And these disciples are actually coming to Jesus and they're actually thinking that what is going to be great before God is this achieving this personal exaltation, this, this place of personal exaltation. If I can attain to a great position and if I get to be the, the right hand and I have this status and these titles... I will be exalted and appealed to these men because they were common, ordinary men. They were fishermen and carpenters. And it's not new because if you turn over to Matthew 9, Jesus was teaching something that should have been quite sensitive. And this again was at their forefront. He's actually teaching in chapter 9, verse 31. He's saying, the Son of Man's about to be betrayed in the hands of man. He's speaking about where he's going to the cross. And he, they will kill him. And he'll be killed and rise on the third day. And it says, they kept silent in verse 34. For on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. So even at this time where Jesus is talking about the cross and where he's going, at the forefront of their mind is this desire for personal exaltation. And they're always keeping an eye on the other disciples, the opposition. And, uh, and you see it in, in the most extraordinary sense. It's always with them. Jesus is trying to get this out of their system. But right at the end, which should have been the most tender time, at the time where Jesus is actually leading them, in the Last Supper, and he's actually saying, I'm about to go to the cross, and he's unpacking the meaning of the Lord's Supper. There at the table, there also, in Matthew, oh, sorry, Luke 22, verse 24, there was also a dispute among them as to which of them would be considered the greatest. So these men, though they were committed followers of Jesus, They were following him. But the problem was they were carnal and they're material, materialistic in their understanding of the kingdom of God. And though they would follow him, they had great pride. Had great pride because when Jesus actually later on comes and says, are you willing to drink this baptism? He's speaking about suffering. And they've got great pride, these, young, these men. Even though they're, they're committed, they've got great pride and arrogance because they say, yeah, yeah, we can drink that cup. But as soon as the test come, like Peter, they all fled. And, and so I believe when Jesus took them up the mountain, because John and James were with Peter when Jesus took them up the mountain and showed him his glory, it's called the transfiguration. I actually believe that had negative consequence, filled them with pride. And they'd been up the mountain. They'd been in an exalted place. And they're now thinking that they are special and they're deserving of these places on the right hand of Jesus. And Jesus says, I don't know, it's not for me to give those places out. And he says, it's, it's, you, you don't know, you don't know the path to the kingdom. You only know the path of men. You, only know, you, you, you can only think carnally and you can only understand things materialistically. And um, I, I, I believe that this thinking is, is not only in a lot of people today, but it's also in a lot of believers that our thinking, unless it's renewed, is, can become carnal. And we actually think the pathway to significance in God is through elevating ourselves, attaining some title, attaining some position, getting some ministry or whatever it is, being known as this person. We, we, we believe that greatness and significance is through going up these pathways and climbing up this ladder. And actually, Jesus takes these, these men and he says, 
your problem is that you're materialistic and carnal. You don't understand the kingdom. You only understand the ways of the Gentiles, the ways of the men who lord it over everyone. The Romans have these structures and hierarchies. He says, but in my kingdom, we've often spoken about in this church, that it's the upside-down kingdom. You die to live. You humble yourself to be exalted. You give to receive. And you descend, Jesus says, into greatness. He says, you don't climb up anything to be great. He says, here, you know those who are considered rulers over you, the Gentiles. They exercise authority, but not so among you. Whoever desires to be great among you shall be your servant. Whoever desires to be first shall be slave of all. And it's, it's, it's very, very interesting because that word servant, we can, we, can, we can sort of understand. But when he says, whoever desires to be first must be slave of all. The word for slave there is the word doulos. And there's a difference between being a servant and being a, a doulos, a slave. If you're a servant, to a degree, I can choose where I serve Matt. I can choose where I go to serve. But when you're a doulos, a doulos meant that you, are, you had been purchased by someone, you were owned by someone, you had no rights. And Jesus says the pathway to becoming great is to becoming a doulos. Someone who actually has been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus, who has completely surrendered the right to live your own life and has completely offered up yourself to God to be directed as he pleases. And he says that's actually the direction to greatness in the kingdom. That's the direction to significance in the kingdom. He says you, you don't ascend, but you descend. And what's really significant, if you can think of anyone in the Bible who has become great unto God, They've had to go through God's great descent. You think of Moses. He was a man of letters. He was a man raised in the palace of Egypt. Before he came great in God's kingdom, God said to him, okay, you're going to go on the backside of a desert and for 40 years you're going to look after sheep and you're just going to do this for Jethro. And it's after he got all of Egypt out of him and he learned how to be a servant that God called him and used him and made him great. You see, all the way through, Joshua, before he became Joshua, he was the servant. He just served Moses. He was a doulos. Elijah served Elijah. Samuel was just serving Eli for years before he became a prophet. Everybody who goes on to become great in God, has this descend where they, this descent where they have to go lower and lower, serving God, serving people. Elisha just washed Elijah's hands for about 15 years. Could you imagine that? Then he got a mantle and became great. Ruth served Naomi. And Jesus, what about Jesus himself, the greatest of all? This is what Philippians says about Jesus. It says, therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one of mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let us each esteem each other as better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, a bondulos, and coming in the likeness of men, being in the f found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him. You've got to think about this, how what a great descent it was for Jesus, that 
He was in heaven. And you've got to understand the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are completely self-contained. He had no need to leave heaven. They lacked nothing in heaven, but he actually descended from heaven to earth. That is such a descent. And then not only when he descended from heaven to earth, but then he made himself of no reputation. He wasn't even known on earth as God's son by many. He, he, he made himself of zero reputation. And then he served those he created. He went lower and lower and lower, right to the point where God said to him, now I want you to die and be mocked and be, be humiliated on the cross. He went lower and lower and lower until he became great, until God exalted him. He always was great, but then God exalted him. Because even for Jesus, the path to greatness was through the great descent. Great descent. And he's saying to his disciples here, you want to be great? There's, that's, a, that's a noble desire. Because God doesn't honor mediocrity. He doesn't applaud mediocrity. But he says greatness comes through descending, not ascending. And here it is. What is greatness in there? What is greatness before the God? Greatness is not ticking this and ticking that and, and doing more than he did. Or that, that, that's, just, that's just carnal idea. What, what greatness is... Mick and Hashdi are both being created by God with great purpose because God is a purposeful God. God makes you with purpose. And to become great and significant for God, all it is is to fulfill the purpose for which God designed you. If you actually do that, if you fulfill all the things that God designed you to do for his kingdom, you will be, you'll be considered great, maybe not by men, but in heaven. Yes, somebody knows. It is, it is attaining your kingdom purpose. That's what greatness is. But to get there, there is a pathway. To get there. You know, some people say, they say, well, pastor, I, I don't know what my gift is. I always say, serve. Go in the creche. Wash the toilets. Clean the church. Because knowing your gift and your purpose comes out of serving. But we live in this narciss increasingly narcissistic world where everybody wants to sit at the table and be served and nobody wants to serve. But we serve a Jesus who put the apron on and washed people's feet. He says, I don't sit at the table as one to be served. I sit as one who serves. And you see, everyone who became great. You know, Stephen... Acts chapter 6, I think it's verse 8 to 9, it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He had such great wisdom. You couldn't ask him a question. He just confounded you because he had the wisdom of God and he, he preached to people and the Pharisees were just confounded that he could put the scriptures together and he had the very mind of Christ and he did signs and wonders and great. He was great before God and they stoned him. But you know how he started? He started serving tables. Because... Descending into a doulos, a servant, is the pathway to becoming great. You've got to know, there's no use saying, I'm asking God to make me significant or great. God has process. God has preparation. And if you don't go through the pathways, you don't get to the place. You don't come to your purpose. You can ask God all you like. He says, I've given you my word. There is a process and there is a, and there is a, a pathway. And the way to become great in God is becoming a servant. Hospitality is just using your home to serve God. And if you do that, people walk into your house and say, what presence is here? Oh my goodness, there's such peace in your home. Your home will become great. You see this so many times. One of my favorite passages in this Bible, you see it with Paul. Paul became great, but he called himself, in, all the, 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 in most of the letters, he doesn't refer to himself as a great apostle, although he is, but he calls himself in the start of Philippians, start of Titus, Paul, bondservant. Paul, I'm a doulos. Christ laid hold of me. He says to the Corinthians, who were actually carnal in their minds, 
And they were carnal Christians thinking like the world. And he comes to them in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 and says, For we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Christ's sake. In other words, he says, I know there are those who go out there and say they're great this and they do this and lift themselves up. He says, but we, everything we do, everything we do in ministry is because we've become slaves of Christ. We're being used by Christ. He's directing us. He's sending us. And we're here just serving you. There's nothing in it for us. And all we want to do is exalt Christ. That's true ministry. And he says, that's, that's, what, that's why Paul became great. There was nothing in it for Paul. When you think about it, what was in it for Jesus, personally? And you know, one of the things we've got to debunk our minds if we're going to get to where God, Christ wants to take us is this. I've heard so many people say, even in Christian circles, they say, well, if I'm in the right place with God, I'll be fulfilled. Was Jesus fulfilled? When I read about his life with the disciples, I just see like a great sense of frustration most of the time. You know, if you're going to serve God, there are going to be times when it's extraordinarily satisfying and rewarding, but there's going to be times like Elisha, you're just pushing the plow. But then you're going to get a mantle. People say, oh, I don't want to serve because it's not my gift. I don't want to do this because it's not my gift. Or If I was, I'd be fulfilled. No, there is times if you want to get to where God wants to take you, you just got to be faithful. you just got to pitch up. you just got to keep teaching that class. You've got to keep doing that thing with you. You're just serving because that's where God's put you. There's great power in having that attitude. And what I love is so many times in the, in the Bible you see these people who carry destiny and calling and purpose upon their life and nearly every single one of them comes into that place where they realize their kingdom purpose through serving. One of my favorites is Rebecca. Rebecca is designed to be great. She's going to marry a man who's already great. says in... Uh, Genesis 24:15 the Lord had blessed Isaac greatly and he has become great. Isaac had become great in the kingdom of God. He was even great before men. And there came a time where Abraham said to his servant Eliezer was his name and he said Eliezer you need to go and find a wife for my son Isaac. You need to go and find him. So this Eliezer went out and he is looking for a wife for Isaac. And he's, he's saying to God, well, I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to direct me and lead me. And to, to cut a long story short, he comes to a place as he's looking for uh, a wife for Isaac. And the servant comes to a place and a, a, a woman called Rebecca comes out. And this woman, Rebecca, it says, the servant rendered me, this woman, Rebecca, was very beautiful in verse 16 of chapter 24. She, behold, she was a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher and came up. So there she was. She was serving her family by going and getting water for the family. And the servant came to meet her. Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. Drink, my Lord, she said. Quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they are finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water for, and for all of his camels. And the man wondered at her, remained silent as to know whether the Lord had made his journey purpose prosperous or not. So it was when the camels had finished drinking, the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets of her ringers, weighing ten shekels, and he put them on her. The, the point I'm making is this woman, she came and she had an attitude to serve, simply to serve. And she knew this man was thirsty, so she gave him a drink. 
And then, without her being asked, she says, I'll, I'll give you camels a drink. And you know how much water a camel drinks? Camel drinks 30 gallons of water, and he's got a few. So she's just going back to the well, back to the well, back to the well. It must have been for a couple of hours. I'm just using my head. The text does that, but she went for a long time just serving. And you know, this is, this is a, a prophetic picture. This is, this is so true. What you need comes from where you serve. All the time, she was going past these camels, thanklessly getting more water, camel drink, more water, camel drink, more water, camel. You know, every time she did, she was brushing past the satchels on the camels that contained precious kingdom jewels. And some of those jewels ended up on her and in her family through the power of serving. Through the power of serving. Your prosperity will come through serving. Your purpose will come through serving. And in the end, it says this man takes, he's got untold wealth. In the end, he took Rebecca and he gave the wealth to the woman's family because she had served. And what made her beautiful, she was physically beautiful, but I believe what made her beautiful was her servant attitude. And you know what else happened to her? She's serving these camels. She's just getting them water. She's, and she's actually watering the things that would carry her to her kingdom destiny. She's actually serving that which is going to carry her to greatness. You're going to get a revelation of that. She's serving that which is going to carry her to greatness. That's why Elisha served Elijah. You think it's just that when you go to Genesis chapter 40, you see another man, very similar to this woman who carried a sense of destiny, but maybe someone even stronger, who had a stronger sense of kingdom destiny, was Joseph. From a young man, from a young age, he knew it was revealed to him who he was in God. What a blessing it is to know who you are in God. If you know your kingdom purpose, you're richer than anyone in the room. He knew, he, w he didn't understand it fully, but he knew he was going to be a man of significance and he knew he was going to be a man who God was going to place and people were going to come and bow down to him. And he told that dream to his brothers and we know he ended up in a pit. Then he ended up in Potiphar's house. He ended up in prison. But you know what he was doing in prison? In prison, prisons are always, century after century, they're awful places. They're dark places. And in prisons, there's gangs and there's hierarchies. And the guy who has the, the most favor with the prison warder in the gang is normally the biggest bully. But Joseph had the most favor because God favored him and prospered him everywhere he went because he was God's man and he was favored in prison. And as he was in prison, it says that Pharaoh threw these two guys in prison, the butcher and the baker, were thrown into prison. And it says in verse 3 of chapter 40, he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison. The place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph, because he was the, the boss cocking the prison with him. He says, Joseph, look after these guys who had just been thrown in prison. What did Joseph do? Did he lord it over them? Did he make them wash his clothes? He served them. He served these men. He had an attitude. Okay, this is hard for you. How can I minister to you? And in the end, he t interpreted dreams for them. And you know, these men, there's, a, there's the butcher and, and there's the baker. And when, uh, when they get out, Joseph interprets a dream for them. And to cut a long story short, when they get out, uh, Pharaoh has a dream. And the chief butler is talking about his dream. Pharaoh is talking about his dream to the, to the chief butler. 
and the butler who Joseph had served by interpreting his dream in prison, he said, there was a young Hebrew man with us in prison there, verse 12, a servant of the captain. And this man, the butler, says to Pharaoh, go get him, he'll interpret your dream. Joseph comes out, he interprets a dream for Pharaoh, and in one day he goes from prison to be prime minister. Pharaoh says, we've never met anyone like this man who has the wisdom of God in him, and he promotes him. But the man who got him into his kingdom destiny was the butler who Joseph served in prison. And over and over in the Bible, you see Joseph got to his place of greatness, but the pathway to greatness is by serving, is by having an attitude. Who can I serve? How can I serve? Where does God want to use me? How can I be a blessing to somebody? When they come into my life, I just want to ask you, if you don't have that attitude, you're going to be frustrated as a Christian. You're going to be frustrated because you're going to have this sense of destiny. You're going to have this sense of purpose. God wants to use me. But if you think I'm at the table, everyone's got to serve me, you'll never get there. You just won't get there. It's, Jesus said, yes, the desire to be great is real. It's valid. But the pathway to greatness, the pathway to significance is not through ascending. It is through taking on the na nature of a servant. You don't have to help the butler. You don't have to help the baker. You can ignore them. You can do your own thing. You can take it easy and you can chill. Because serving is not always convenient. I, I want to tell you something. I, I went to the this sounds funny, but it's not. I went to the ATM to get some money there. I was in a hurry, and I had to get some money because I was going to pick up some more furniture for my wife. Piece number 842. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I was going to get, and she says, you've got to actually pay for this with, with, with cash. And I says, okay. So I went, and, and there's only one ADM between me and the place where the furniture is. And I'm going to put it in the ute. And I get to the... the uh, the ADM, and I go up there with my card and it's got a sign on it, out of service. Out of service. And I thought, when something's out of service, it's absolutely useless. You can't put anything in it and you can't get anything out of it. And you know, Jesus told a parable in Matthew 25, and he said, in the parable, we know it's a parable about faithfulness and it's a parable about talents in Matthew 24, 25. And uh, Jesus comes, he, he says, there's a man who traveled to a far country and he called his servants and delivered his goods. For one he gave five talents, another two and another one. And then he goes a far away and of course this is representative of Jesus himself, who goes away and, and then he comes back and he comes and he sees what people have done with the five talents and the two talents. And he says to the guy who had five talents, well done, good and faithful servant, in verse 21, you were faithful over few things, I'll meet, make you faithful over many things. And then to the other guy who got two talents, he says the same thing and they get the same reward. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Doulos, you've been faithful with a few things, I'll make you ruler over a few things, over many things. But the guy who got one talent, went and hid his talent in the ground. Hid his talent in the ground. And he says, I was afraid and hidden your talent in the ground. Look, there have what is yours. So when Jesus comes back or the king comes back, he says, here's have your one talent back. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and my coming I would have received back my own interest. Therefore, take the talent away from him and give it to him who has ten talents. That to me is a parable of a believer 
who is an ATM machine. You believe, but you're just out of service. And the warning is, unless we take on the nature of Jesus, he is patient, but after a certain while, he will come and take the favor and grace that's on your life, and he'll give it to somebody who's serving. Who's serving. The favor and grace is to serve him. That's what favor and grace is for. And you know, all through the Bible, these men, even, even when you're in, in, in the workplace, you may say, my boss is a scumbag and he's not worth anything. Wrong attitude. You know what's a wrong attitude? Because Daniel had a worse boss. Daniel had a demon-possessed boss called Nebuchadnezzar. And if you read the book of Daniel, all Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar is, oh, my king, I'm here to serve you. And because he had that attitude that I'm here to serve, he got promoted and he got promoted and he got promoted. And our thing in the, I'm sort of against this kind of five mountains theology where the church is going to take government, it's going to take this, it's going to take, because that's not our strong suit. Our strong suit is serving the mayor. It is serving people. In, it is serving people. It is serving people who have high status. It is becoming known by our servant nature, not by attaining high position. Not by taking these five mountains. It's through serving. And I, I preach it today because everything we've done as a church, you know, we've gone to a lot, a lot of places. And we've preached, you can see this all over the world, to thousands and thousands of people. But there's been, I want to say, nothing in it for us. Never taken an offering. Cost us money to go, us money to put it on. Those big meetings, they don't just happen. We pay because the, the, the idea is that we go to serve the poor. We go to serve God. We go to serve our Jesus. And he says, if you have that attitude, sooner or later, God says, the servant will be exalted. That's God's pathway. You serve and you serve and you descend, you descend, but not forever. In the end, not man, but God will exalt you. God will exalt you into your purpose and your destiny. And you'll become significant, not before men, but you'll become significant before God. Angels will know about you. God will know about you. Because you've attained greatness by realizing the purpose for which God created you. The only way to get to that place is through taking on the nature of a servant. You know, in, in contemporary Christianity, I think that a lot of people are frustrated because particularly in Pentecostalism, we spend so much time preaching on the benefits. And there are benefits. There's blessings galore in being a Christian. But we don't speak enough about processes and pathways. Because... You know when Jesus said this, he said, Jesus is actually known. This has come shocking to somebody. But Isaiah actually knew him, not as the prosperous one. He actually said, this is how Jesus is going to be identified, as the suffering servant. And when Jesus said to John and James, who came to him, we want those places, he said, can you drink the cup? You know what the cup is? Gethsemane was the cup. Take this cup away. Cup is suffering. And the degree is, the degree of rewards which you'll know in the kingdom of God is the degree of suffering, serving, you can go through. Because serving isn't always convenient. Serving isn't always laid back and cruisy. Sometimes serving God involves suffering. They said, yeah, we could do it. And they couldn't. But later they did. He said, you will drink the cup. And James was the first martyr. You know, uh, as I said, we've, we've uh, 
And I believe everyone who's been in this church for a reasonable amount of time, they're the same. Anyone who does anything here, they do it because they just love Jesus. They just serve him. Worship team, sound team, everybody. People in the crèche. They're the people actually most respect. People in the crèche. My wife went away once for a week to China and left me with children. My God, I nearly died. But the people in the crèche, they turn up every Sunday just to serve. I, I got all the time in the world for that. And you know... Uh, I've felt, personally, I've felt the greatest honour. I've never gone anywhere to nations that I've wanted to go. I've gone to places where I've been sent. And I never started this church because I wanted to have a church. The Lord asked us, and we have served him. We have simply, to this day, we took in some children once because we were serving him. And everything we've done is just simply because we serve him. And, and you know what? When we get to heaven, you know what I'm going to do for eternity? I'm going to continue to serve him. And I look forward to that. I look forward to that. There are rewards in heaven, of course. But what we're going to be doing in heaven is more serving. Revelation 22.3 says, He showed me a pure river. Water of life, clear of crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face. Hallelujah face to face and his name shall be on their foreheads so what that means is that when you when we get to glory first thing you're going to do I don't believe anyone's seen Jesus face to face until they actually get that's my personal conviction you're going to see him face to face and then depending on which mark you carry I'm fascinated where everyone's, everyone talks a lot about the mark of the beast I like to talk about the mark of God the Holy Spirit. I have the mark of God on my forehead. Therefore, because I carry his mark and not the mark of the Antichrist, I will be recognized, admitted to heaven, but in that place, it says here, his servants shall serve him forever. I, I want to ask you, Do you have a sense that God wants to make you significant for him? Do you have a sense that God didn't make you to be mediocre? We all are called and we all have different purposes. We all have different shapes. But whether I teach kids, whether I evangelize nations, whether I greet people on the door, we're all born with this sense that before heaven, I'm going to be great. I believe everyone is given that. But so that you're not frustrated and so that you arrive at that place where you know your calling, you know your purpose, you must take on the nature of a servant. You must take on the nature of a doulos. You must say, okay, I am not going up man's ladder. God's ways are not our ways, but I'm going the path of the kingdom and I'm going to serve, I'm going to obey, and I'm going to serve, and it's going to take me lower, and it's going to take me lower like Jesus, and I may have to go lower. I may lose my reputation. People may speak about me. But when I'm faithful in that, doing what Jesus called me to do, there comes a time where he will exalt me. 
he will exalt me. You know what's, what's required simply to, to become a servant? I believe the attitude, it says that this Ephesians, sorry, Philippians 2 says, let this attitude or this mind that was in Christ be in you. What was, what was his mind, what was in his mind when he uh, left heaven and became a man? You've got to think about this. You, you're eternal and you put on mortality. That's some descent. And then not only to become a man, but you become the most ridiculed, mocked man. And you die on a cross, criminal's death, seemingly before the world, a great failure, till God exalts you. What, what was his attitude? What was his, one of the things, the attitude that I believe that is most needed to become a servant is simply the attitude of humility. Jesus humbled himself. God won't humble you. You've got to humble yourself. And I actually believe the means of humbling ourselves is through serving. And when we serve, we humble. And when we humble, God exalts. God exalts. God honors. He opposes the proud who want to go up the path, but those who are willing to serve him, he exalts and he lifts them. He brings them into that place where before heaven they are great and they are significant. You know, the Bible says you shall serve the Lord and he'll take away all sickness from you. Exodus 23. Take it away. You know why? Because there's so few losses in the world that they're so precious to God that when you get sick, he'll heal you. When you serve, Eli was serving in the house, just serving, just serving, sorry, Samuel serving Eli, serving, 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 serving a God he'd never heard. Then God opened his ear in the midst of serving. You'll hear from God when you serve. And when you serve, this is, what, this is what Jesus says. Man may not honor you, but Jesus says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. Where I am, there my servant will be also. And if anyone serves him, him my father will honor. Not the honor of man, but you shall know the honor of God. God shall so. That's, that's my son. Just like my son Jesus, he's got the same nature. He's got my doulos. I'm going to look after him. I'm going to heal him, take away all sickness. I'll speak to him. I'll direct him. He'll hear my voice because I know he's not going his own way. He's going the way I'm going to direct him. He is my servant. He is my servant. So I, uh, I just want to finish by saying, what are you, which way are you heading with God? Which way are you heading? Going up? Ascending? Are you one of those believers, like the ADM machine, that's just out of service? I believe God actually wants to commission people. I believe God actually wants to say, you are destined for great things. You are destined to be significant. And it comes by simply being that doulos. Are you waiting for people to serve you? Great habit to finish, just to finish. You know, we all... Let this attitude be in Jesus. And you know, he not only had an attitude, but Jesus had a practice. It says that Jesus went on a hot and dusty day when everybody had walked through the desert and everyone done all this and everyone got to the room, they're just tired and everyone's, the, 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 the job of the house slave was to wash your feet, but there was no house slave around. So Jesus put on this towel and he actually washed the, the, the disciples' feet because he was a servant. And he said, let, this, let, 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 let me, this, this be a model to you, 
do this unto others as well. In other words, wash other people's feet. So a great practice to be in is when you walk into a room, instead of entering any room where you go and thinking, what's, gonna, what, what, what's there in it for me? Enter a room and think, what can I do? How can I bless? How can I be of service? Who needs help? Put on the towel. Forget the title. Put on the towel. It's the path to greatness. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray for us. Father God, I thank you. Oh, Lord, you're going to release people. You are going to... Oh, Lord, you're just going to send people that you're preparing in this season. And Father God, I want to praise you that you're a thorough God, that you're still... You are still making and calling people into greatness and significance. You're still calling Stephens and Pauls and Peters to shake cities with the gospel. You're still calling people to become great before heaven. And Father, you have told us the pathway. It's through serving. Father God, I just decree there shall be greatness come out of this house. Because, Father, people will wear that towel. People will have that servant nature. People will surrender law. People will give everything to you. They'll lay down their own rights. Father, people in this house will know that they have been purchased in with a price, that they will not live independently, but they will surrender afresh to you, even today. And they will say, here I am, Lord. Do with me as you please. Send me with me where you will. Use me for your glory. Spend me as a penny in your pocket for the glory of heaven. Father God, set us not on the world's pathway, but on your pathway to greatness this day and keep us on it. Keep us on it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand up and start to praise him because he will exalt you. Stand up and praise him because he has a purpose and a destiny for you. Great before heaven. Hallelujah.